Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belayo, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today, it is my pleasure to speak with artist Sheep Jones. Good morning, Sheep. Good morning. So tell me where you are joining us from. I am in Belfast, Maine, in my apartment. Uh, beautiful day. Glad to be here. Well, we're really glad to have you because you are a woman who travels quite a bit these days, Texas, California, crisscrossing the United States, and having you back in Maine is really a pleasure. It's, it's, it's great to go there because I love seeing my boys and my grandkids, but then I miss, I have siblings here and my art and Belfast, Portland Art Gallery, you know, so... I can still do it. I can still walk and go on a plane. You know, I'm, I'm still healthy enough to be able to keep, keep doing this. So I'll do this for a while. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It's nice to be able to have different vantage points from across the country. I, I, and I'm interested in, um, in your initial Maine connection. You, you grew up right here in Maine, didn't you? I grew up in Waterville. I met my husband in high school. And I always wanted to come back, but we did move a lot because he was a professor and he did a lot of um, one-year positions in colleges, teaching. <clears throat> and then he got his tenure in Virginia. So we stayed there for like 30 years. And growing up in Waterville, um, you you have several brothers and sisters. Is that true? True. Yeah, there were there there were five of us in the family. And this at the time, I know that having practiced medicine in Waterville for a few years, I know that it's it's become an up and coming place to be. You know, Colby College has done great work with their art museum and their campus, but they've moved onto the main street and they've brought in a new restaurant. But what was your experience growing up in Waterville, Maine? Um, we lived on a quiet street, and it um, a farm bordered our street, a horse and cow farm. And so it was very bucolic, lots of apple trees sledding up at this um, farm. There was a big hill, so we always went sledding down this hill. Uh, we ran around the neighborhood, lots of places to play baseball and climb trees, and we were free. My mother would actually lock us out of the house for the day, my, my sisters and I, and then ring the bell when it was time for dinner. So we were just running around free. It was great. I'm sure that people... Um now would have a hard time understanding the lock it out of the house uh, way of approaching things. However, I will say that when we were on Little Sebago Lake um, at my grandparents' camp, my mother would actually do the same thing with my brothers and sisters and I. She would actually just put the little latch down on the screen door because she <laughs> wanted to keep the carpets clean, but also because she wanted us to be out near the water. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. I had a great childhood. So I, I see a lot in the art um, that you create that is reflective 
of that, uh, I guess that, uh, that sense of attachment to the land and, and even beyond kind of this, this connection to the land, it's actually almost a growing into the land. Oftentimes you, you have a little bit of a, there's a below the surface thing that you often do with your pieces that I find really fascinating. Tell me about that. Um, well, I did a lot of oil painting before I had children. Then after that, I went into watercolor. It was safer, more mobile, <clears throat> and I, I took classes. And, the, and we always had still lifes. And a lot of times they were amaryllis, narcissus, beautiful flowers all over the place. And I got tired of the flowers and I started concentrating on the bulbs with all the roots. Sometimes they were embedded in rocks and the water level. And so when I went back to oil, I thought, what do I want to paint? I'm tired of having to look at something. I want to use my imagination. I want to branch out. So I thought, a bulb. So I started with a bulb and a, a line, a horizon line or you know, to separate the dirt from the sky. And then that allowed me to put all kinds of creatures in the earth or sprouting from the ground um, and not necessarily realistic, right? It could just be anything. So that really was the impetus to start the above ground, underground. And then it went into um, fish in the sea or... Uh, root cellars, you know, little jars of pickles and lemons and whatnot under under the house. So I, you know, try to like think of other things, but something always crops up. Either I see a movie or read a book and think, oh yeah, I could do that. I could paint that. So that really was the that was the big breakthrough for me doing my first bulb um, when I went back to my oil painting. The, the piece that we have in our house is actually one that is behind me in the studio. And this is one that, as you've described, there's an, an underwater feel to it, which I enjoy because every day I get to look at it and I look at the, the creatures that are below the surface. But I also enjoy it because I think about when I'm out on the water myself, I tend to often be on a boat. So that's sort of above the water. But of course, there is this whole other world that is down below that we don't see, but it exists. So there's something really interesting about the way that you've captured this in the piece that that I have in my house. And I, I suspect that maybe part of the reason why your pieces are so popular. I think my understanding from the Portland Art Gallery is that they have a hard time keeping them in stock. It's great. I love it. Well, I could tell that this is a, it, it may be hard for you to hear how excellent your, your work is and <laughs> how popular your, your pieces are. Maybe, maybe that's uh maybe that's what I'm getting out of this, but I'm looking at the piece behind you and it has a figure in it. And I know that this is another element that has um, drawn people in is that you often place people in your scenes and that's not something that every artist does. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm interested in the figure 
in the narrative that evolves as I paint. I, I like them dead center facing you. Um, it just creates a different aura and mystery. Um, I like putting clothes on them, adorning them from head to toe. Um, sometimes I'm in the studio all by myself laughing because I'm just doing something quirky or so I'm really I really enjoy them. I I'm happy with a lot of the results that I get. <clears throat> and the narrative sometimes or the title evolves and then I think, okay, yeah, that's it. Baptism or whatever. So in the case of the piece that is currently behind you with the figure that that is seems to be maybe in a field with some purple around, I don't know if it's a him or a her, um, tell me what that narrative is. Um, well, he's, he or she, it has a halo and uh, a neck piece. And of course, I have all the plants around <clears throat> and insects flying. Um, it just sort of evolved that way. I didn't really, I didn't really have a plan. I usually don't. But I have, you know, a strong Catholic upbringing. So I do bring in nuns and priests and their garb a lot as well. It just is another whole, like, lexicon of imagery and that I can pull, pull out and use. I, I can see like that. The, like with the bees, I started putting a bee in the sky only because it was empty spot and I liked the stripes, you know, the design of the bee. <clears throat> and this is when I was at the torpedo factory. And then people kept bringing me articles about colony collapse disorder. And it just propelled me to do more bees. And that opened up a whole world of the queen bee, the drone, the hexagon, wax, um, the hive, their wings, just things like that. It's, it's just wonderful when things like that happen. So there's two things that you've just said that I find really interesting. And, and one of them is the, the Catholic element of things and almost a little bit of, I don't know, iconography perhaps that is showing up in the work that you're doing. Um, and I, I think that there, there's something about growing up Catholic, as I also have, that kind of stays with you. And maybe like many religions, I guess, stays with you, even if you don't continue to be practicing in that particular faith. Um, do you, have you carried that? Have you carried elements of your faith into your adulthood? I don't think so. I think it's really just the visuals of halos and gold and requiems and 
but I don't, I really just think it's to make the painting better. The garb, the crucifixes. I mean, I do a lot of scarecrows on a cross with crows. And I don't really think of it very much as like a crucifixion of sorts, but people have mentioned that. I'm like, oh yeah. So I really wasn't thinking about it, but it, it did it did come through. So that that's really interesting that you, you are carrying something forward from your childhood, but not perhaps consciously, but other people are relating to it on a more conscious level. Right. I, 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 I mean, I am conscious of it, but not to the extent of, um, well, when I hear people talk about it, I am like kind of blown away and thinking, ah, that's, that's kind of funny and true. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of the scarecrow crucifixion parallel myself. Um, but now that you're saying it, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because their arms are out where mine are. And they and you can see that there's a wooden piece in the back of them. And he's not smiling. <laughs> you know, it's just interesting. So then in, in contrast to that idea of crucifixion and death and perhaps, I guess, rebirth associated with that, this idea of the bees, you have, you became interested in them due to colony collapse disorder, which is obviously very serious and also related to death. But out of that, you again, kind of created life and you put life into these pieces that you've created. Was, was that a conscious decision or was it really, this is the bees look good here and it feels like no, they fit? Once I got into it, once people brought me articles, then I would do paintings of a little girl holding a dead bee or some flowers kind of dying because the bees weren't pollinating. I haven't done a lot of those recently, but I did a lot of um, climate um, the effects of what climate or pesticides are, uh, how they're affecting the bees. Yeah. Do you have a garden at your house now, or do you have plants that you nurture? Yeah, I, I love weeding, and I love the whole process. It just is so peaceful for me, going out there all by myself, and yeah. It's great. Flowers, fruit, vegetables. So this time of year, what types of things are coming out of your garden? Right now, a lot of flowers and tomatoes, cucumbers. I Unfortunately, I came back so late from California because my second grandchild was born in June. And so I couldn't really plant anything early enough. It was, it was very late planting, but I thought, oh, well, I'll just plant some flowers and stuff. So it looks great. Very wild, you know, flowers with vegetables and yeah, it, it's fun. 
So in our garden this year, it does, we have the same kind of thing. We have a lot of tomatoes and we have a lot of very tall flowers. And I've found it interesting year over year to see the relationship between how much rain we get and how much sun we have and what actually grows and what thrives and, and what, what doesn't every year. And I, I think that for me, when I, when I look at this and I see what it also invites into the garden, you know, for example, our very tall flowers now are bringing in a lot of bees. There's, there were a lot of monarchs for quite a while, and there are a lot of birds that come into the garden as well. So even something that can be very static can invite motion in, into a space as a result of what's going on with the weather, for example. Yeah, I have a lot of rogue sunflowers that just came up from last year. And I have this one <clears throat> metal kind of frame thing that's in the garden that has little peaks on it. And I cut the sunflowers when they're sort of dying and just put them on the peaks. And birds come and they peck on them and get all the seeds off. It's beautiful little finches and yeah, it's fun to be creative in the garden. I love the the imagery of the rogue sunflower just from last year, kind of thinking, oh, well, I, I, somebody didn't plant me here, but this is where my seed fell and I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, there were six of them that came up and they're great. They're huge. So that was a surprise. Since I came back so late, anything that looked, oh, I think that looks like a sunflower, I left it. And just and left some weeds in my uh, beds as well, because they filled out a beautiful space and they they um, attract butterflies. When you're in California and when you're with your grandchildren, or when you're in Texas, um, how do you indulge your your art and your interest in the outdoors and your interest in nature? Well, in California, I have a guest room. And I have, I always have like maybe 15 paintings that are in different degrees of being done. And I always leave that many. And they have on top of their window, I think it's called a valance, where there's a little ledge on top of their window, a wooden thing. And so they're, they're all, because they're mostly 12 by 12s, they're all propped up on two whole <clears throat> window casings and my little granddaughter really loves watching me paint and she she likes you know the funny little birds that I do and but I get to paint in both places so I paint in my room in California and my son in Texas is a painter and he has a huge studio and we paint together and critique our work and um, I, so I can leave, I leave things at, at both places, brushes, paints, and unfinished paintings. And if I finish some, then I get more boards and prepare more because I like to have, I like to have, work on a lot at a time. Like in my studio here, I like to have 40 or so that are in different degrees of being done. That makes me happy. And it's also... It's freeing. I don't have like this one or two paintings that I, I have to focus on. I'll just maybe just paint a face on a, on a girl 
go on to the next canvas. I um, Sometimes I prepare a beautiful warm gray on my palette. And when I choose the next painting, I have this beautiful color that I think, oh wow, maybe this would work well in the sky. Or It just feels very organic to me. So it does, it gives me the sense of kind of this holistic approach. So you're, it's not just one thing that you're focusing on. It's almost like you have a, a whole grouping of things that are evolving at the same time, which. Yeah, I, I have this number system where I have the, I chalk down my three numbers, the, the day, which is if it's the 22nd or 23rd, I add the month, nine, I add nine to it, then I add 22 to that second number. So I have these three numbers every day that change. And I just go around the room and I count, you know, uh, 23, and I have to work on that painting. It forces me to work on that painting. And sometimes I'm like, no, I don't want to work on that one. But I start it, I start getting into it, and it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm having so much fun. It's really working. And then I go to the second number and I just go around the room till I land on that number. That's, that's how I keep going. Otherwise, some paintings that I started, I'm not that interested in. I, it just, it doesn't appeal to me to work on that day. But if I choose it, I do something to it and it's, it's always good. I mean, that's a, that's a wonderful approach. It's almost like you've created a, a game out of, out of the work. Yeah. yeah. And I it is something you're raising an interesting point that oftentimes I think as in life as in art, it, it's not that interesting to sit down and actually focus on something if it, if it doesn't, you know, call out to you that day. Yeah, it's, it works well. For me. So I know a few years back, um, we bought a painting from your sister, Julie Sear, and she was also like you, very popular, very beloved as an artist. Um, and unfortunately she's no longer with us. And I, and I believe, um, I think I'm pretty fortunate that we have one of her pieces in our house. And it, and I also think to myself how hard it must be to have lost your sister and a fellow artist because I have four sisters and I love each of them and, and can't imagine losing them. And knowing that she has pieces that are st sort of still out there, you know, kind of representing her. How does how does that feel to you? That she has pieces out there representing her? I think it's great. Um, she's, she started later in life. She was a nurse and she was a singer. And then she started painting and I think it's great. I think I think after she died, her children took most of the paintings that were here in the studio and at the house. And yeah, I, Kevin showed me the piece that you have. I remember, I, of course I remember all of them. And 
yeah, she had humor and poignancy in her paintings. I think it's great. Every time I see one, it's just delightful. So for you, it, it creates happiness then that, that she brought this art into the world and that it, it is kind of continuing on. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I go to somebody's house and they have one and Oh my God. It's just kind of hits me. I'm happy and lucky that I have three other siblings and they're all in Maine. So, um, I just feel lucky that I, I have, I have that, you know, the pieces that you have, um, currently in your house, you said that you generally don't keep a lot of your own work, but these are pieces that if your family suggests that you keep, keep them, that you do, there's something about them that kind of appeals to your family members. Are they pieces that surprise you? Are they ones that you would look at and think, oh, I guess I can understand why they'd want to keep this? Or are you? Yeah, I'm happy to keep them. Um, it's just if I'm painting and I love something that I just did, I, I don't think, oh, I should keep that one. Maybe after it sells, I'm like, shit, I should have kept that one. But most of the time, I just paint and put them out there. So that's an interesting thing about being an artist is that something that you work on, you put a lot of effort into and a lot of your personal self into that you ultimately need to let go of it. It's a little bit like parenting, I would think. Yeah. Also, you know, my husband died six years ago. My sister died two years ago. It's like, you can't take it with you. Let's just, I'm trying not to be attached. I have the images of them and and I give a lot to my children. So when I go to their homes, I can I see them. And that works for me. So your granddaughter, you said, who likes to paint with you, um, is how how do you do you do this side by side? Is this something that you know you bring some pieces to the, the kitchen table and you work on them together. How, how does that work out for you? She's not quite three. So I'm sure that will happen. But right now she has a little easel outside and um, I just talk to her as she's painting. I don't paint with her because she's, she's focused on her piece of paper and her strokes. But she has sat with me while I, I'm painting. Like if I had a small painting that I was doing some detail, she has sat very calmly and not trying to take my brush away and just watching me. That's adorable. <laughs> That's pretty good for a three-year-old. No, I trained her. At first she was trying to touch my brush or wanted to get into it, but no. She just knew that it was important not to touch it because it, this is oil and it's messy. And But then we'd go do something else. Fun. So you said that your son also paints. Did you yourself have family members that painted besides Julie? 
parents didn't paint or, well, I had an uncle that did watercolors. My mother's brother did watercolors. That's right. So what was it when you were growing up that caused you to gravitate toward painting and toward art? Do you remember any specific incident where you were just thought no, to yourself? I was always interested in drawing and painting um, before high school, in high school. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to study art and my parents wanted me to do something like more realistic, so we compromised on art education. But I never got to finish, I never did my student teaching because I was married and we moved. And so I just continued to just do art on my own. Take, taking classes every once in a while, I took a class in encaustic and in watercolor and I taught for a while. So it's been always around me. So as you're making this big decision about your life as to what you're going to do next, um, whether it's spend more time in California, more time in Texas, whether it's to kind of firmly root yourself more in Maine to be near your siblings, what are some of the things that you're considering? I guess you know being alone not having my husband anymore in my older years where am I, where do I want to be uh, I don't want my children to take care of me but if they're close they can come visit me um, versus here in Maine my siblings are kind of all my same age so part of it is like, what's the long-term plan here? You know, maybe I shouldn't even be that, shouldn't be, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be thinking quite that negative or, but I do think about that. I, I, Julie and Charlie's death definitely affected me. And make it, of course it reflects on yourself, right? You think, oh, oh. So I, I think about that. And how old was Charlie when he passed away? 62. That's very young. And Julie was very young as well. Yeah, and she was 64. So that's a lot for you to have to go through in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Um, and they were very similar. Life of the party funny, smart. Um, they both did all the cooking and they were just fun to be around. They're like my bookends. I was sort of, I had my best friend, my best guy friend and my best girlfriend. And yeah, so yeah, it, it was a lot. But, you know, I have my art and my kids and my siblings. So just keep going on with a good attitude, right? <laughs> well, I know that you'll make the right decision as to your as to your future, and I certainly hope that you continue to make all of the the wonderful art that 
is is out there gracing other people's walls, my wall included. Um, it's it's a, been a pleasure to talk with you today, Sheep. I think um, it's it's always really fascinating to kind of understand why people choose the subjects that they choose and the approach that they have to making their work. And now every time I look at the piece that I have on my wall, I will be thinking about our conversation and the person behind that piece. It's been a pleasure. I've been speaking with artist Sheep Jones. You can learn more about her work at the Portland Art Gallery through their website or going there in person. And I would certainly recommend that you do so. She um, has delightful work. She's obviously a delightful person, as you've heard or seen here today. Thank you for being with me today, Sheep Jones. Thank you. Mm -hmm.